Welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. Join me and PACT certified therapist Julie Rappaport where we discuss relationships, learn how to bring the magic back to yours, and become a better partner. To join the discussion live, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Clydesdale Media. Sign up for notifications so you can call in with your questions or just join the chat. Be sure to like and share these episodes with your partner and friends. The following presentation is not therapy or a substitute for therapy. If you are experiencing a mental health emergency, please call 911. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hi, and welcome to Live Happily Ever Awesome. We are here with Julie Rappaport, PACT Certified Couples Counselor. And today we are on episode 972, and this is, the topic is resentment. Mm. Hi, Julie. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We took a week off last week. We were just overwhelmed with things. You had a a really fun weekend qualifying for the CrossFit Games. Congratulations to you on that. Thank you. Super exciting. Um, what does that look like? What does that look like for you training for the CrossFit Games and and work? <laughs> How do you juggle all that? Um, I mean, it, it's really no different. Um, you know, I, I don't know whether, like, you know, you got to increase your volume a bit just so mm-hmm. you can you can um, participate with three days worth of of competing, but. Yeah. But you've been, you've been to the games before, correct? Mm-hmm. I've okay. qualified qualified four times, but only competed once. Mm, okay. But, yeah. That's a story in itself. But right. um you need to stay healthy, right? But I, I, I do, and there needs to not be a pandemic and all that, yeah. Yada yada. Okay. Um but yeah, I mean, it, it, you just keep doing what I'm doing and maybe increase a little bit. So you get up maybe a little bit earlier or try to fit in an extra session in the afternoon or something. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's I, I, I don't believe that necessarily more is better. Um, so well, not for us. Yeah. For our age people. Right. Yeah. I think recovery is the best uh, kind of should be first and then from there um, maybe incorporating a little bit more volume and you know but finding that balance between more volume but more recovery as well yeah yeah and you're you're at elevation right you're Mm -hmm. in you're in boulder do you find that that's an advantage to you in certain ways when you get to madison or other places that you compete yes and no i mean i wish it was like super significant i wish it felt like Oh my God, I could run for days. Um, it, it does help on the longer kind of more aerobic stuff, but, um, but you know, you're, you're there enough ahead of time that you begin to acclimate to the sea level. And so, you know, I mean, I'm sure there's some little advantage, but yeah. I was, I was hiking in Asheville, Asheville, North Carolina this weekend, and we were at like an elevation of like 4,000 maybe or 3,500 and I thought, oh, I'm at elevation because I live probably like under at or under sea level <laughs> where I am. Yeah. So not not accustomed to that. And I'm um, going to be heading out to Wyoming in the end of June. And I, I hear that's pretty high up, too. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, it makes a difference. I mean, I went up to Steamboat and was training up there over spring break and, you know, was just like, God, I'm so 
oof, I'm winded. And then I realized like, oh, they're higher than we are. <laughs> so, but it does make a difference. People come out to, you know, visit and train in our gym and, you know, it's like, oh, it's going to take you about two weeks to adjust. Acclimate. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Well, this isn't a CrossFit podcast. This is a relationship podcast, but yeah. I, couldn't, I couldn't let any more time go without congratulating you on that. And uh, we're going to be excited to see you uh, in Madison. It's going to be it's gonna Thanks. Be fun. Thanks. So, um, couples and resentment, I guess there's lots of different reasons why a partner could resent their partner. Mm -hmm. We should we think about a couple and sort of work through them or I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, so resentment typically is, um, I mean, it, if, of course, it comes from past um, hurts and trespasses. Um, mm -hmm. And resentment is typically an indicator of codependence. Mm. Um, and what, you know, we've, we throw that word around a lot. And a lot of people are like, they don't really know what it means. Um, mm -hmm. So kind of to dumb it down would be, you know, in codependence, there's... <coughs> you think of a, 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 what's called the victim triangle. Okay. And, um, one of the points is a perpetrator. One of them is the victim and one of them is the rescuer. So that is always present in a codependent relationship. Um, so with resentment, typically the person who is resentful is taking a more victim stance. Mm-hmm. And their partner is the perpetrator in their mind. And, mm -hmm. uh, and then, you know, there's some sort of thing in the mix that's a rescuer, whether it's alcohol, drugs, TV, pets, uh, you know, okay. so it's, a third, it's a third party. It's not, it's not like the one, the, the perpetrator becomes the rescuer or anything like that. It can be that too. Um, okay. Because because we shift around on the triangle all the time. So, uh, so yeah, I mean, you could be super resentful. So then you lash out and then, you know, so then you're the perpetrator mm. and your partner's the victim. And, you know, perhaps you guys have alcohol in the house and that rescues it all. And, you know, so it's just, there's so many different iterations of it, but um I would say that that resentment can't really exist to a, you know, for a, a prolonged period of time, unless there's some codependence going on. Okay. Um, and the way out of codependence would be to instill boundaries okay. um, and stick to them. Right. So it's, you know, if you think of these times when you might have, you know, I think, Maybe we all have had times where we've been resentful, but if you really take a look and think like, oh, you know, was a boundary trespassed? Was that boundary um, talked about? And was it clear or was it just um, expected? And mm -hmm. was it, and if it was clear, did you then hold the person to it? Um, and if not, you know, why not? And you know, so oftentimes there could be um, agreements or, you know, boundaries yeah. such that, you know, and then somebody doesn't adhere to that 
Hold on. Oh, sorry. My my puppy was biting my toe. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. what is happening right now? Oh my God. Duncan. Yeah, that was That's significant. Um, <laughs> but, you know, sometimes then, you know, what could happen is that, the you know, somebody breaks the agreement, but instead of um, the one that held to the agreement that got upset that the other one broke the agreement, actually speak up and say, hey, remember, we had this agreement and this doesn't work for me. Um, mm -hmm. Oftentimes they'll just kind of swallow it and be like, well, great. They just, they just broke the agreement and, and yeah. not, and then that harbors the resentment. Right. So can we, can we put this in practical terms then? Can we think of an example of like a boundary that was broken or, or something sure. and sort of talk through it? Sure. Um, I don't necessarily need to come up with it, but. Uh... I can come up with one. Okay. You can come up with one then. So um, say you and your partner, um, you really, really like um, a clean kitchen. Okay. Really, you don't like dishes in the sink. And your partner comes from a place of like, eh, you know, get to them when I get to them. No big deal. Like, you know, if they sit for a couple of days, it's not a big deal. Okay. And you, of course, have run into problems with that. Mm -hmm. And so then you guys decide you're going to, you agree and you're like, okay, how can we find some middle ground here? And so the person who likes it clean says, okay, you don't have to do them right away. But what I would ask is that when I wake up in the morning, that the dishes are done whenever you want to do them. Mm -hmm. Just that if you, if you put your dishes in the sink, they either need to be washed or put in the dishwasher before I wake up in the morning. Okay. And so, the, you know, the other person's like, okay, that's, that's fair. Right. I don't have to do them right away. Um, so they agree upon that. And then time after time, after time, uh, the person wakes up and finds dishes in the sink mm -hmm. or, you know, the, yeah, dishes in the sink. And instead of you know, saying, hey, remember we had this agreement, I'm confused of what's going on. They might just be like, God, and start to either do the dishes, put the dishes in the, in the dishwasher, or uh, not do that because they don't want to be their mom, quote unquote, mm -hmm. and then sit there and it's almost then becomes this test of like, how long is it going to take for them to notice this and do it? And, um, you know, all the while the resentment built and yeah. had they just said, Hey, what's going on and hold the other person accountable to the agreement and have to, if they needed to renegotiate or whatever, but if the person, and then of course, if the person continues to not abide by the boundary of the agreement, well, then there's a bigger issue. Mm -hmm. Um, but if you don't, if you continue to not bring it up, you're going to build that resentment. Interesting. I was hoping for a more salacious topic <laughs> example than dishes, but we'll go with that. That's fine. <laughs> There's plenty. All right. Okay. So that's interesting. So it's really important then um, if you've come to some kind of negotiation about what, you know, no matter what it might be, a boundary or, or something else that if you feel like it's being 
not executed upon the way it was agreed to, then you have to bring it up and talk about it to sort of either renegotiate or just like write the write the ship a little bit to say like, hey, you know, we talked about this. You said you would do this. You're not doing that. And then like, okay, babe, I'll start doing that. Right. Again. Okay. Seems yeah. simple enough. So then with resentment, you're keeping quiet and you're not saying anything. It keeps happening. And then it just it feels like it just bubbles over into like everything. You're going to, you know, be grumpy. You're going to withhold things. You're going to, you know, not it's going to bleed into other boundaries that maybe you are going to, you know, retaliate and, you know, yeah. It becomes very passive aggressive mm-hmm. a lot. And, and, and also outwardly aggressive, like just short fuses and, um, and it really kind of can take on a life of its own and just continue to build and build and build and build and build. And, you know, this goes into, other topics where a lot of times, you know, the kitchen, the uh, junk drawer, the Mm -hmm. sex, you know, a lot of times, um, you know, sex could be withheld um, due to all the resentment that's built up. It could be that the issue is in the bedroom and resentment has built there, but it could be about dishes and just, there's so much resentment and, you know, the, but of course it's not about dishes. Um, but it gets played out in these other areas as well. Um, so it really is just kind of this, it oozes into all aspects of your relationship and what resentment, you know, if you're trying to work on your relationship and move forward, um, Resentment is a tough one to work with because the person who is so resentful is kind of stuck in the past and it's holding on to that because, you know, victim, um, although victim doesn't sound fun, victim has a lot of power. Victim has a lot of power. Um, So, you know, there's this almost this uh, tug of war of like, you know, staying in that power. and wanting to hold on to their resentment Um, because if they let it go, I think there's a fear that, you know, they fear that it's going to happen again. So if they let it go and put themselves out there and be vulnerable, it's just going to happen again. Does this, does this bleed into sort of, we talked about betrayal before too, like can, you know, breaking a boundary and betrayal are kind of one in the same, right? Because you assume most people have like, I don't know, cheating, for instance, like cheating is a boundary, you know, I'm not going to do that, whatever. Um, But we talked about that victim mentality, not the victim mentality, but like who has the power, who has the control and like the, the person that was betrayed sort of shifts into the one that's being in control. Is that sort of like a victim mentality? Because I know with that, sometimes that's an uncomfortable position for the victim to be in. Sorry, I'm going now. So you're talking about betrayal and the one who was betrayed? Yeah. So, yeah, then they get to... Because I would assume they would hold some resentment towards the person, you know, towards the betrayer. Right. It it, it seems related to me. Yeah. I mean, you know, yes. I mean, it is related. And yes, they would then have to have all the power. And, but it, but it is not, when, when we work this way in, in therapy, it's not a codependent relationship 
with when they are in the power position. Okay. It is not um, that they just, you know, I mean, that would just be putting the shoe on the other foot where then the other person would, would gain resentment if it was codependent, right? We want, we want to just right the wrong, but, um, but that, you know, kind of, kind of piggybacking on what you're saying is, you know, when you have agreements in a, in a relationship boundaries that have been agreed upon and somebody continues to break them, that is betrayal. Mm -hmm. However, um, I think it is it the it, it's almost you know it's it's almost more it's more difficult I think for for partners to really kind of take a stand with with when it's like that because it's not really overt right it's not like um, an affair Mm -hmm. it like that's pretty obvious right um uh, it's not like hiding finances it's not it, it's like these little kind of betrayals that happen mm -hmm. consistently and persistently and you know it takes two to tango somebody has to allow the persistent and consistent betrayals but it is a betrayal type of situation um it's, it's handled a little bit differently, but it is, um, there is that dynamic. Um, but what I, I want to go back to this person who was, you know, had harbors the resentment mm -hmm. if there's only one, um, <clears throat> it, and, and, and this could apply to if both partners are harbor resentment, but it's, it's like one of those things where you where you know, in therapy, we have to address the resentment because it's there, right. It's, it's present. Um, and we want to learn from the past so as not to create the same mistakes in the future. But so we have to kind of touch upon that such to build a, a, a better future. But if we dwell there, then we're just creating more problems in the present. Mm -hmm. And we don't want that. So it's a, it's a delicate balance and it takes, a, I think, a skilled therapist to, you know, kind of go in and out of how, you know, using it as a springboard to better the relationship in the present and future versus, you know, dwelling there, digging up the past, really, you know, getting in the muck. Mm -hmm. um, that's not going to do any good. It's only good. It's actually going to create more problems. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's hard. A lot of times, you know, resentment, um, why the title is the ultimate, the ultimate relationship killer is, is it really just destroys relationships. It is so, it is, you know, it just, um, it's, it becomes this wall of ick. Muck, yeah. Yeah. That is very, very hard to break down um, once it's been there for a while. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times couples will come in with resentment and just, they will be in this state of, I really just don't know. I don't know whether I want to continue. And they really, you know, and on it, there are tools that I can use to try to get to that, but it's not a simple 
like a lot of times I can, with just simple ambivalence, I can get to the real answer pretty quickly. But mm -hmm. when there's resentment present, it's, um, there's almost this, you know, this tends to be this protection layer that's pretty thick that um, they can't really even feel um, what is true and what isn't. And so it takes a while. Wow. Do you find with couples that, um, that one typically is harboring resentment more than the other? But I mean, when you get couples that come in, is it oftentimes like lots of things happening and like one partner's resenting their partner for X, Y, and Z, and yet the other partner's also resenting, you know what I mean? It's yes. not like one-sided. It. I mean, it could be both. Both. It could be one. Mm -hmm. um, I would say typically um, it's not, it's not, don't, don't quote me on this, but I would say probably in my experience that it tends to be waves that, ha that harbor more resentment than islands. And the reason is that islands don't like to really uh, be in the past. They just are kind of more present and future. Like that happened, let's let it go and move forward. And mm -hmm. um, waves tend to live either in the past or the future. And, you know, so they're, they're anxious about the future or they're harboring resentment from the past. And so they kind of have a hard time being in the present. So they tend to um, at least be more vocal about their resentment and they, it oozes out of them. I mean, they can't hide it at all. Whereas an island might be able to hide it better. Mm -hmm. Islands are better at hiding in general, but. Yeah, go figure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you know, they had, they had to, that's they what had they to be that way. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's never a good thing. If you're resentful, you should, uh, chat, talk, communicate. Yeah. Um, we haven't talked much about boundaries either. Do we want to sort of shift into that and, and sort of define what those look like and, and how important they are to relationships. Sure. We could do that. Okay. We have a little bit of more time if you want, unless yeah. you wanted to say something else about resentment. No, I mean, it seems like that's, that's sort of the cause of when boundaries are broken is, is sort of the leading factor for resentment to be present. Yeah. Um, right. I think, I think that's true. Um, yeah. I mean, boundaries, you know, you can create, your own personal boundaries. You can create a, a, a boundary for the relationship, or, but I usually term that an agreement. Okay. Um, but, you know, if you are creating a boundary, uh, you have to state it, whatever that is, and, um, and then stick to it because oftentimes the, the goalpost will be moved and then there it's, that's not a boundary. And a lot of times people will, I hear this a lot, um, especially when it comes to like, when there's deal breakers in a relationship, mm -hmm. people will often say, um, well, I don't want to give them an ultimatum. Mm. 
And while I understand that, um, you know, an ultimatum is trying to get somebody else's behavior to change by kind of a manipulative act. Uh, a boundary is simply what I allow and what I don't allow. And if you, you have to change your mindset to, you, they might sound similar, but the intent is different. One is, you know, keeping me safe and secure. And the other is trying to get somebody else to change. Yeah. I think too, when I first started learning about boundaries, I made the assumption that just on, on the surface that I thought boundaries were more of just like, don't, I don't know, like we spend too much time together and we need, you know, we need to not spend so much time together, like a, like a literal boundary, you know, like, I don't know, um, you know, from six o'clock to seven o'clock, I need to be, you know, meditating or something and don't talk to me. Like that's in my head is like what a boundary was. I mean, that could be a boundary, but I wasn't thinking of things like, you know, that these are the things that if, if this were to happen, you know, I would be very uncomfortable or I wouldn't feel safe. And so I'm just letting you know that this is a boundary for me and it's up to you whether you'd like to respect that or not, or, you know, do it or whatnot. So are you coming back? Okay. All right. I'll talk to you later. Sorry. My son's leaving the gym. All right. Um, and so I don't know, I don't know if everyone thinks that or knows that, but that was kind of new to me that I learned. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, it's a way to define oneself, um, and to communicate something to another. Yeah. And, that, and you're right. It does sound to me like it does sound like an ultimatum kind of, it's like, you know, I, I don't know. I can't be with someone that wears red lipstick, like, and I'm being just, yeah. and so to me, if I want to be with my partner, I can't wear red lipstick. Like to me, that's an ultimatum. Do you know what I mean? Well, in my small brain. Right. I mean, it's not, uh, but the ultimatum is if you will wear red lipstick, I'm leaving you. Um, versus listen, I have a real issue with, I, I just don't like red lipstick. I don't want red lipstick. I, you know, this is silly, but you know, <laughs> but, um, you know, if you have somebody that can't stand red lipstick and is deal breaker, that's might be a red flag. <laughs> yeah, red flag, red lips, whatever. Um, <clears throat> but uh, you know, then you have a choice. Do you value the relationship more than you value your red lipstick, or do you value your red lipstick more than you value the relationship? It's totally, yeah. you know, and the other person could be like, listen, you know, it's totally up to you. I get it if you like the red lipstick. Like, right. and you want, and you don't want to give that up. It's okay. But my boundary is that I don't date anyone who wears red lipstick. Yeah. Um, is there any opportunity for negotiation there too? Like, let's say you dig into the reason why you don't like it. You know, well, I don't like the color red because it hurts my eyes or something. And, and if you were to say like, well, I've got this one, one shade of red that you could call it red, but it doesn't hurt your eyes. And like, would that be okay? And again, it's oversimplifying, but like, is that even a thing? Can you negotiate boundaries? 
Sure. I mean, it just depends how strong that boundary is, right? Mm -hmm. um, if it's malleable or, I mean, the person might say, listen, I don't care what shade of red it is. Uh, right. That That's my bottom line. Mm -hmm. And you might not like it, but at least it's clear. Right. You know, um, that's, you know, when it gets a little, you know, I mean, we're talking personal boundaries versus, um, relational boundaries, you know, between the two people, um, relational boundaries or agreements can definitely be renegotiated and negotiated. Um, but you know, are, it's when, when, what are, you know, when one person feels very strongly about something. Yeah. What are some examples of relational boundaries that you've experienced with your clients? I mean, the agreements, like, you know, we are monogamous or we, uh, we tell one another everything, or, I mean, it could be, we make sure that we do the dishes, uh, before one another wakes up, you know, I mean, it could be the simplest of things or the deepest of things, but, um, you know, a lot of times it's just amazing to me when people, you know, um, some some individuals just really have a hard time with adhering to agreements. Mm -hmm. um, they just don't realize how that erodes safety and trust. Um, and it is, it's really, um, it's really detrimental. Yeah, and it feels kind of like a respect thing too. Like if you, if you respect the relationship, you know, you're willing to bend to whatever, you know, makes your partner feel safe. Like you want to, you want to make your partner safe. Bottom line. Yes. I just don't think that people who break agreements put, uh, they equate breaking agreements with uh, making somebody feel unsafe. Yeah. Or not creating trust. Like they just are like, they typically are just, <laughs> just kind of thinking of themselves. Right. And, you know, I was going to say self-centered and just self-serving in terms of, yeah, they de default to a one-person system and they are like, I want to do what I, I don't want to do that. Or it's not even that conscious, right? They're just mm -hmm. like, oh, I, I forgot or whatever it is. Or I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me. I said yes when I not meant no. Well. Yeah. Yeah, that happens a lot. Hmm. Um, islands want to please. And um, so oftentimes they will say yes when they mean no. And then they become passive aggressive by not adhering to the agreement because they are were pissed that they had to agree to it in the first, yes, place. In the first place. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's being, you know, being an authentic in your authentic self and being able to say, I'm not quite sure. Yeah. Let's see. Jody Lynn says, what are your top, what are your top three most important things to agree on? and consider non-negotiable. I think I need more information there. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what that means, Jody Lynn. Jody Lynn, you could always call in. We could talk about this. Yeah. I Phone think number is right there. Common works. <laughs> She's like, I've been trying. And it's never, never, never a sure thing, but <laughs> sometimes it does. Other than what are the three most important things to agree on and consider non-negotiable other than I don't I think like the top three most important. It depends on the couple. Right. I mean, you guys get to define what your 
what your important boundaries are or, you know, rules for this relationship where, you know, we have to be monogamous. You can't, you know, eat meat on Fridays and you can't, you know, keep it a kosher house. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it really does depend on each couple. There's not like, I don't, I, as a therapist or an outsider, don't get to define right. what your relationship is. That's, that's for you guys to define. And, and I personally and professional, like personally might be like, Ooh, I don't like those rules right. um, or boundaries or your agreements, but uh, who cares? Right. I'm, I'm not in the relationship. Yeah. If they work for those two people. Then. Exactly. I don't care. Like, yeah. Go for it. And I feel like too, all of this again, goes back to clear and open communication, right? If you, if you're expressing boundaries requires good communication. Mm -hmm. um, if something, if a boundary is broken or something's happening where you're feeling resentment, you need to communicate it. Mm -hmm. um, and in order to sort of work through it, you have to talk about it. Yeah. I mean, it's, I think a lot of it is, you know, some, some people are raised in families where they don't talk about things mm -hmm. or they are uh, very conflict avoidant or they, or it was so. Can you hear that? Yeah. Hello. Hey, Kat. Is this Jody Lynn? It is. Hi, how are you? Can you guys hear Jody I'm, Lynn? I can. Oh, sweet. I'm okay. Good. Thanks for calling. So what I was getting at is you see a lot of people in your sessions. Do you ever say like, oh my God, they didn't, they never talked about this. Like, why didn't they talk about this and make sure they agreed on it. That's what I'm saying. Like top three things that you might see come up in your therapy sessions that we should uh, be thinking about. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. Like the dishes are like, that's non, I mean, that's like, that's easy stuff. I'm talking about like, if you see 15 people and all of them are like, didn't talk about one thing, is there anything that you see repeating? Uh, yeah, that's, there's quite a few, uh, you know, one would be monogamy or open relationship. One, another would other be, than, other than yeah, full transparency. Do we, do we agree upon that? Do we agree that we protect one another in public and private? Do we agree that we are the go-to people for one another? Like nobody knows more than each one of us. Are we the first people that we go to? Um, oh yeah, that's that protection, yeah, protecting, protecting each other in public and whatnot. Yes, um, there are we available to one another twenty four seven. I mean, of course, you know that's you can't you can't take that quite literally, but if if we need to get a hold of one another, can we? And is that acceptable? Um, yeah, yeah that's thinking, what I meant. I do know. we do we prioritize the relationship? Yeah. In your experience, you must see things come up over and over like, hello, you should talk about that. Yeah. I, a lot of times it is. It's making these um, kind of more over or covert things that people don't talk about and just assume um, overt and then having them 
discuss it with one another and and come up with how how do they want to run this thing because oftentimes when we they don't talk about it each one has their own default of how they have thought about it and they're not on the same page and um, they just never they just never thought about it they just never thought about talking about it and I think that's too we talked a lot about like not just premarital counseling but just before there's a problem counseling yeah you know to really sort of pave the way for your future when you're with your person that you want to be with for a very long time, I, I feel like that's invaluable, whether there's, pro- you know, even when there's not problems to help somebody sort of navigate that road and and build that foundation yeah. to, to go forward where all of these things would naturally probably come up in, in, in couples counseling. Yeah. I love that. Well, I really appreciate the show. It's great. So glad and you called it does in. Get me thinking. Yeah. And, um, I'll continue to listen. So you guys have a great afternoon. Thanks. Thanks. Julie. You too. Bye. Okay. That's exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great question and I do, it is very common, yeah. very common that I will have couples in session and, and it is obvious that they're not doing certain things that, um, you know, I think we talked about a secure functioning relationship. Mm-hmm. as yeah. what what pact you know guides people towards and there it's obvious they're not at adhe- this the relationship is not adhering to some of these principles and so my job is to highlight those things and have the couple talk about it and get it on board yeah um, so it seems, seems really important it, um, it's yeah common i would imagine like raising children too is probably a thing that you should talk about i know for me it, um i wanted to be a stay-at-home mom that was really, really important to me. And I think, I don't know that I did a good job of setting that as a thing. I mean, I mentioned it many times, but I don't think, you know, my spouse and I at the time really sat down and like talked about it or planned for it, or maybe I didn't um, express how important it was for me. Um, and I ended up not being able to be a stay-at-home mm-hmm. mom. And I think that was a big factor in how I treated my husband at the time because I felt like I wasn't heard and I felt like I wasn't maybe respected because I had to go to work and, Mm -hmm. you know, totally probably my fault for, you know, not talking about it in a, in a very specific way, but big, big, big resentment type thing. Yeah. I mean, you bring up a good point. It's like oftentimes, a lot of times it can happen where we do talk about these things. We talk right. about them. Thought it was we, covered, you know? Yes, we thought it was covered and it just keeps going, right? And um, and we get tired of talking about it. Um, but instead of, you know, it, it, that's why there's, it's so, um, it's, you know, it's not, it's blatant, but it's not super big, right? Um, mm-hmm. And it's repetitive and it just eats away because we, I think we get to the point where we're just like, I'm just so fucking tired of talking about this. Like why bring it up? It's, it's just never going to go anywhere. And you know, the resentment builds. um, But we, again, coming back to the boundaries is we haven't then put down the boundary of if you don't do this anymore, you know, if you continue to do this, we're done or whatever, you know, yeah. yeah. Um, because I think it's, it just gets to the point where, um, 
we, you know, we, we fear loss. We don't want to lose that thing, the relationship. And, and I think there's some rationalizations in our minds of like, well, is this really a deal breaker? Is this really, you know, oh, if they don't do the dishes one more time, I'm going to like divorce them because. Right. right. Or, even, or even is my request like valid and rational, you know, you know, like, is it, is that realistic of me to say, like, I want to be a stay-at-home mom? Like, that's hard to do these days. Um, and again, that's just an example. But yeah, then you start to sort of second guess, like, your desires, right? Yeah. You say, oh, gosh, maybe I'm being really unreasonable. And yeah, I'm not going to end it because of that. Right. But at the mean, and at the same time, the resentment is, you know, yeah, it's still going there. through the it's bank. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And it's growing. And um, so it's, it's a very, it's, I just feel like it's very insipid and it's, yeah, um, it's tough, tough. It really is. Yeah. Okay. Good stuff. Yeah. I like that. Uh-oh. We got a big comment here. The biggest issue I have with my ex was communication, mostly in the fact that she could never be wrong. Well, I mean, I get that. She'd argue until you broke. It's the same this day with our kids. It's crushing to see. Yeah. yeah. I wonder what her uh, attachment style is. Yeah. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't know just by that. I, I, I might, might imagine. Give us some insight on that. Yeah. Um, but, you know, with couples like this, then, you know, I say, are you more invested in being right or more invested in the relationship? Yeah. Um, because if she, if one person has to be right, the other one has to be wrong. That means yeah. you're inherently, you know, two one person systems. You're not on the same team. Nobody likes to lose. Um, so resentment will then build, you know, I mean, this is, it goes back into that. So it's more like, Hey, we care about this relationship. We disagree. How can we find what we agree on around this topic rather than um, go to battle. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, in my own relationship too, I found myself just being very critical of, of my partner, not necessarily having to always be right, but, um, and he would, he would even say that like every time he opened his mouth, I would, I would have something to mm -hmm. say about it that it wasn't right or it was wrong or correcting or something like that. And like, that doesn't make me feel good that I was acting that way. Um, but it didn't feel it didn't feel bad at the time. Like I didn't even recognize, you know, that I was doing that. And I don't, you know, there's probably other issues as to why I was doing that, but <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just another symptom of, you know, something going awry. And instead of just complaining about it or saying, you know, saying, Hey, why do you always do that? Or, you know, blowing up at each other because of it is like going to get help about it and to talk about it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, things get played out around yep. other things. All that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So um, are we back next week? Do we think? I think so. We should be. Yeah. And um, keep those um, comments coming on YouTube. Thanks everyone for joining the chat. Thank you, Jody, for calling in. Um, we will have more topics for you. If you guys want to hear something specific, please let us know. We love to get different scenarios and, real life examples of what's going on to, to kind of solidify um, the points that Julie's talking about, which helped me to sort of sift through all of this. Um, so we appreciate all of your um, support 
and uh, have a great week. We'll see you. Bye.